It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> How delightful. Look at all these doggos. I'm not the one who stole the tiger from the zoo. Happy New Year, dear sweet listeners. <laughs> We're back. And and it's amazing, really, how 2021 is so different to 2020. It's amazing how each year has its own unique flavour. It doesn't continue from whatever happened last time. Not at all. It's, it's, a new, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. I've not thought about the prom since we watched it. That's good. We, yes, we, we, we are, we are, uh... Older and wiser, we've gone back to the remit, which is watching kids' movies and not just <laughs> random detritus we find lying around Netflix. <laughs> I think 2021 is going to be our year. Final year of Cursed or Blur, so prep yourselves, binches. What's your New Year's resolution, Elise? My New Year's resolution. My New Year's <laughs> resolution is to try and perceive time less. I see, I see. Because... <laughs> Because I'm constantly perceiving time, mm-hmm. and it does me no good. That's, that's fair, and and I'm not gonna elaborate on what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> People out there might think they know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They might think that I'm sitting here thinking about how time is passing in the lockdown. But that's, as you know, not necessarily it. Not necessarily. It just bothers me thinking about thinking about time, time. <laughs> passing, regressing, moving around in circles, doing little figure eights, skating around the place, pirouetting. What's your New Year's resolution? It's to make more time to commune with the dark forces. Okay. Um, I, li- I like that for you. I feel like I've I've really let that fall by the wayside <laughs> in this, this past year. I've, yes. neg- I've neglected the the dark forces in my life. Yes, it's it's a, our our flat is not goth enough, really. No, we have one skeleton hanging on the wall and one spider and one spider. <laughs> Definitely not a whole tube of plastic spiders somewhere a in this tube? flat. <laughs> I don't have a tube of plastic spiders. I don't have a tube. I just have one. The one I put out to scare you earlier was it's a single spider. It was a trap in our recording studio, a.k.a. the living room. Where we live. Where we live and record and do everything else because it's locked down. There was a spider laid out in front of me maliciously with ill intent. Oh, I just didn't even leave it there for ill intent. I just left it there. Yeah, you just were storing your spider on the top of my chair. I was on my way from the kitchen to downstairs and I, I had to do another job, so I just left the spider where it was. Yeah, just, just I had to chill. feed the fish. Yeah. And then I got distracted by the nature of time, which is <laughs> fucking hell. I've ruined it already. <laughs> oh, god damn. Look, I'm not even wearing my watch. What time is it? I don't know. Do I care? Yes, but I'm trying not to. I was distracted by the death of a fish. So that's that's what happened there. I yeah. could have put the spider somewhere else. It was a sad day. I think I'd like to dedicate this episode to our fallen fish, Craig. Yes. Rest in peace, Craig. Mm-hmm. He's gone to fish heaven. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I never saw him do anything bad. No. During daylight hours. He was a good fish. We have other fish that are more evil than him. We, we definitely do. Our shark may be going to hell. Probably. But I think based on his <laughs> attitude that he's okay with that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's made his peace. <laughs> uh, what did we watch this week? We watched two different versions of 101 Dalmatians. Movies that neither of us have seen in Years. decades. Yeah. The animated series I saw a couple of times when I was a child, probably in the late 90s. Yeah. And... The same with the live action movie I saw late nineties, maybe early two thousands. Yeah, it came out in ninety six. Both of these movies, I, yeah, I had a recollection of, but I I thought I'd watched. I thought I'd remembered more of the the animated one. Basically, 
what I remembered of the plot was all that happened in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought that what I thought was a plot was just the premise. Yeah. I but thought, actually, yeah. there is no plot. I thought there would be more plot points. There really are only three. Spoiler alert, there are no spoilers. <laughs> what you remember of 101 Dalmatians vaguely in the hazy way you remember plots from when you were a child, that's all of it. There's um, a man and a woman who each Wait, have... hang on, wait, wait, wait. Do you reckon you can do the whole plot to the countdown music? Yes. In that, in that particular period Absolutely of time? Absolutely I can. Hang on, I'll just get the uh, countdown music up. Okay. There's a man and a woman, and they each have a Dalmatian. Their dogs force them to meet, and they fall in love. Their dogs have puppies. There's 15 of them. The puppies get stolen by the woman's friend. Um, The woman's friend has also stolen many other puppies. She wants to make a puppy coat. Uh, The puppies escape and go back home. They all live happily ever after. The end. This is the first time we've ever done that that bit. Yeah. In this podcast. That's it. That's the plot of 101 Dalmatians. And you're thinking, surely there's more. Surely there's a subplot about Cruella's childhood or some shit. No. Nope. Not even slightly. No. Surely there's more zany sub subplots with the individual 15 puppies that the main two dogs have. No, no, we, we barely not, know their names. None of the puppies has a plot at all. I know the names of two of them, Lucky and Rolly. Yes. And in the cartoon one, Rolly is a liability. Mm-hmm. Every time uh, Cruella and the henchmen are chasing the dogs, Rolly gives them away by being clumsy. In um, the live action one, Lucky is a liability who's always just like ten steps behind every other dog. Yeah. And at least in the cartoon one, all the dogs speak, so at least you get the sense that, you know, they're making plans and are feeling feelings. Yeah. In the live action one... I know I've said before on this podcast, uh, especially in the episode Cats and Dogs, that I don't appreciate when live-action animals have their mouths animated to say words, but maybe I want to backtrack a little on that, <laughs> because it's weirder when they don't. I think yeah. the lesser evil is when they speak. I think the the good option is to just animate the whole movie. Don't use live dogs if you want the dogs to talk. But in a movie that is... In the animated one, it's like 80% the dogs talking. Yes. The humans have almost no dialogue. I barely know who they are. In the live action one, I gotta say at least 70% of the movie is barking. Yeah. (laughs) And dogs sort of like tilting their heads slightly as if in thought. And they're all very cute dogs, but dogs don't emote in a way that you can understand on film. No. I think, and I know you might shoot me down for saying this, I think a good alternative for this, if you're doing a live action 101 Dalmatians, is to go down the puppet route and have all the dogs open their mouths and close their mouths in puppet style. I would like them all to be done like the dog Sprocket from the show Fraggle Rock. He's a Muppet. Okay, he's yeah, a, he's, a big, he's a big shaggy Muppet dog. All my Fraggle Rock fans out there, <laughs> you remember Sprocket. <laughs> I would love it to be just like 101 shaggy Muppet dogs. <laughs> hey, you know what I just had a thought about? Is how... You know how Disney right now are doing all these bullshit live action films? Yes. None of which are good. Yes. This was a very early one of those. Yeah. 96, and then it had a sequel in 2000, 2001. 2000? Yeah, 2000. And then they had a break from doing live action remakes, and then they went back to it. But this is very much in their tradition of doing it like beat for beat the same. It is. The plot's identical. They change a little bit of the framing. Um... The main thing uh, that I noticed is when we were watching the the animated movie, which we watched first, <laughs> Cruella is just framed as Anita is the, the human woman in the show. Anita just knows Cruella from school. Now, this stru- struck me as really off, because <laughs> cr- animated Cruella looks like she's in her late 80s, mm-hmm. you know? She looks like she's in a priority group for the COVID vaccine. Yeah. 
And yet, and Anita is like in her, what, late 20s, early 30s, yeah. maybe? And they're friends from school? It, and Roger's the one who says it, and he doesn't specify what school. Like, maybe if it was undergrad. And Cruella was a mature student. Yeah. Or if it wasn't night classes. Yeah, but like, <laughs> other, even still, how did they meet? They don't seem to like each other. And I think they are playing it as though Cruella is the same age as Anita. Yeah. Like, I think it's just her design that makes her look very old. Yeah. Because all we know about Cruella is that she's she wants the puppies when they're born for unspecified reasons. That is the only thing we know about her. And that she is someone... The animated movie is narrated by Pongo, the, the male Dalmatian father. Daddy Dogger. We know that he doesn't like Cruella. We know that Roger doesn't like her. Anita expresses no opinion about Cruella or anything else in the animated movie. Well, Anita's the most baffling character of this whole thing, and we'll explain that later. <laughs> uh, but for some reason, Cruella just feels the that she's able to walk into their house and demand that they give her 15 dogs. Yes, and, and Anita seems okay with that at first, and then they get weird vibes when she's asking for the puppies when they've been born. But the funny thing here is, so one of the only things I remembered about this cartoon was the song Cruella de Vil, Cruella de... So Roger's game in the um, cartoon is that he writes songs mm-hmm. and sells them onto the radio or something. So he's found a melody and he doesn't have the words for it and then him and Anita are talking about it Cruella comes and Roger instead of saying oh hi Cruella no imagine if someone you didn't like came into the house but the person you were sharing a house with is like this is my school friend be tolerant Mm -hmm. and then you then went upstairs and loudly played every instrument you had (laughs) and then the friend, the, the person visiting leaves, barely out the door, and you start singing really loudly, just slagging them off. Yeah. Like, imagine if we had a neighbour that sometimes came round who we didn't like, called, let's call him Ducky McGoat. <laughs> That's because I've seen Duck and a Goat in the room. And, uh,. And you had offered to maybe help him with some sort of baking drive. Mm -hmm. But I didn't like the cut of his jib. (laughs) Not for any reason, I just didn't like his vibe. Mm -hmm. He's barely going downstairs and I'm like, Ducky McGoat, Ducky (laughs) McGoat, what a horrible guy. He's the devil. He's gonna kill Lola dogs. I hate Ducky McGoat. Like, that's rude of me. Yeah. (laughs) Even if I don't like Ducky McGoat. Right? Even if he has a weird vibe. Yeah. What's crazy to me about Roger's song is that I remembered the song as being Roger kind of messing around with the melody. No, he keeps the lyrics and sells it. The song is playing on the radio at the end of the animated movie, (laughs) and it's got this woman's full name in it. (laughs) Yeah, because in the cartoon, the human characters don't figure out it's Cruella Deville. They might suspect it's her, but they don't actually, they don't have any evidence to suggest it's her. Cruella and her henchmen do not get arrested. The dogs cannot communicate with the humans. So all the dogs turn up, the 15 dogs, and then the extra dogs, meaning there's 101 Dalmatians in the house. Yeah. And the humans are like, oh, well, all our dogs were missing, all 17 of them. But now they're back, plus all these extra dogs. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Let's just put that put out this defamatory song <laughs> to a woman who is guilty, but we don't know it and has not been arrested. Yeah. Yeah, the humans never <laughs> learn what happened to their dogs at any point in the animated movie. <laughs> and Cruella's going to listen to that song and recognize it as the music that Roger was playing upstairs. Yeah. And she knows Roger's a composer. Then she can have them arrested for defamation. Yeah. And then all the dogs the dogs are going to go into custody. Cruella buys the dogs. Voila, she's got the coat. And this was her plan all along. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine being okay with suddenly acquiring 101 dogs. 
in their small flat. It's um, like you just acquire them and it's like, oh, well, how wonderful. How delightful. Look at all these doggos. The more the merrier in our flat with no yard. The flat may be twice the size of ours. Yeah. And ours is quite small. You could maybe fit two more humans in a flat twice the size of ours. Yes. Like, imagine the stench of the dogs, not two more humans. Yes. Imagine the stench of 101 dogs in this, in this flat. Imagine yeah. we had 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Puppies that barely know how to control their own buttholes. <laughs> like, I get that they're cute, but I guess Roger and Anita do say that they're going to buy a house in the country at the end. You need a big space for a hundred... Unless you're going to sell them off. many dogs. Yeah. And they're not... Because there are dogs that are not related, because other Dalmatians have been acquired from other homes Mm -hmm. in London, those dogs are going to... They're going to bonk. They're going to bonk to their heart's content. And you're going to have so many more, exponentially more Dalmatians. Yeah. And it's a circle of life. <laughs> and they're not small dogs either. Dalmatians are quite large. Yeah. But I did find the cartoon one more fun than the live action one. And that's stretching it. Yeah. Because it wasn't fun. Because I'm now... At, maybe I'll take that back. Because, okay, one of the things I remember impacting me when I watched it as a kid was a Twilight Bark, which is when the dogs have, like, a whisper network by, like, barking through London. Yeah. To alert... Now, I thought that, in my mind, I thought that that was more of a climax of the film sort of thing. Just to, like, get the dogs home. Mm -hmm. But no, it's to alert dogs across the country about the missing dogs. And why does that sequence last 12... 12? Last 20 minutes. (laughs) At least. It's so long. We spend, like, a minute with each dog that hears the bark. Yeah. At first. At first, it's just a minute, and you're like, God, this is long. But then we get out into the countryside, and we spend, like, five hours with each dog (laughs) receiving the news, translating the news, talking to their goose friend about the news, (laughs) passing it on to the next dog. It goes on. I, like, I spaced out, and I came back to the world, and we were still doing the Twilight Bark. (laughs) It never ends. It's a bit like in Snow White. Do you remember in Snow White with the with the soap scene. Yeah, that just won't end. <laughs> and maybe kids in the past had better attention spans. Probably. But, but I, a child of the 90s, require more stimulation than this movie made in 1961 can yes. provide. And maybe it's a personal failing, but I choose to blame the film. Yeah. No one wants to see dogs bark for that long. And you know what is good is that the chain of the barks is broken by a cat who knows what's up and is like, I've received information, maybe I will act on the information. Sergeant Tibbs. The best character in the franchise. The hero of the film. And surprisingly, a a good cat. We have a good cat. Yeah. In this podcast. There aren't any evil cats in this movie. No. Which is also surprising, because that is a slightly low-hanging fruit for a movie about dogs. Yes. Um, but yeah, Sergeant Tibbs is the the person who translates the barks for the slightly hard-of-hearing dog called the General. Yep. Um... So this cat speaks fluent dog, and he's the one in uh, the animated movie who saves all the puppies from the house with Cruella's henchmen. Yes. In the live-action movie, uh, there is a dog who does it. The The cat is in the live-action movie, but it's a dog that saves oh, the puppies. Oh, that cat gets no screen time. And that's the thing that angered me the most. Like, I was actually angry because we get so especially in live action films from the early noughties there's such demonization of cats such demonization of cats and i understand it's because dogs are easier to train than cats but like why bother making the movie if you're not gonna have a cat save the dogs i have to say what i said while we were watching the live action movie would you want to be the one who trained the cat to do that scene because i certainly wouldn't well, I do like cats. I am extremely allergic to cats, so maybe I'm biased here. 
Oh, man. Yeah. And also, just the rescue scene in the live-action one just takes... Well, I've aged a decade. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's different in general about the live-action one? Um, in the live-action one, we mentioned at length that in the cartoon, um, Cruella is just Anita's friend. In the live-action one, she's Anita's boss, which I think makes a lot more sense. It does make more sense. Uh, it definitely confused me while we were watching the cartoon, because I think I was remembering the live-action plot. Yeah. So she's like a fashion magazine owner she's in like the live action. She's like edging one. middle aged. Yeah. Which I think is more appropriate than like what, mm-hmm. late twenties Cruella. Yeah. And she's played by Glenn Close. Yep. And yeah, she's Anita's boss. She wears some great outfits, uh, which is I guess her whole thing. She's more of a cartoon villain than the actual cartoon villain in the cartoon. Yes. I like agree. everything every second sentence she ends up with a ha 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 like Anita, it's almost as if I'll be wearing your dog. <laughs> you imbeciles <laughs> I'm not the one who stole the tiger from the zoo <laughs> <laughs> How do you like my new cape? (laughs) (laughs) The, yeah, the dogs not talking makes a huge change in the live action one. It makes so much of the plot incredibly strange. I actually think I might have had a hard time following the plot if I hadn't seen the animated movie like five minutes before we started the live action one. The Twilight Bark happens. But we don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Because it's just like you're panning around London and different dogs are going... (laughs) That was... You know how I'm trying to work on my voice acting? Yeah. That was a Yorkshire Terrier. Yeah. A Basset Hound. Mm Mm-hmm. And a Chihuahua. Well, you nailed it. Give me a dog and I'll bark like it. (laughs) Uh, Border Collie. Not bad. It's not bad. Give me another one. It, um, the Bernie, Bernie's Mountain Dog. <laughs> I need some gin for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I got the 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 resonance that I needed yeah. for that one. Yeah. But next time I have a sore throat, yeah. I'll do it. We'll 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 splice that into the recording if it happens. <laughs> Um, but yeah, in the, in the animated one, the dogs do actually bark, but then they'll stop and talk to another dog or a goose or something about what's just been said. So we know what information is being communicated and what thoughts they're having. Like when we get out to the countryside and Sergeant Tibbs is like, 15 missing puppies. Where would you even keep those? Oh, well, this this abandoned house has smoke coming out of the chimney. Maybe we should go check it out. Yeah. Like, we know what they're thinking and why they're doing things. And they have characters. They've got personalities in the cartoon. Yeah. Whereas you can't really tell what's going on. Other than that sort of, like, early, early noughties vibe of, like, if you've got animals being characters, then they're, like all-knowing and righteous in what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like horses in Disney cartoons. (laughs) Like Disney's princesses horses. Yeah. They always know the right thing to do. It's like, ah, the horse knows. (laughs) The dogs seem to know what's going on. Um, Yeah, it's, it's extremely bizarre to go from the, like, extremely, like, obviously very sparse, but the hand-drawn animation that's extremely expressive of yeah. the animated movie to, like, a literal Dalmatian. <laughs> They're very good. They're good dogs, but the, you can't read a dog's facial expression. No. But they still film the movie as though you can. <laughs> yes. Lingering shots on dogs' faces is like, sorry, no dogs are gonna win an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> And, um, they have a perplex... Now, both movies are set in London. Now, 
it's not even one of those situations where it's like magical London that really is anywhere. Yeah. Like it's it's specifically London and mm-hmm. there's a specific geography of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Like they're in Regent's Park and then they get chased they get kidnapped to Suffolk specifically it's the middle of Suffolk mm-hmm. in both movies yeah and there's a chase on the way back through East Anglia my my home <laughs> <laughs> and um given that it's obviously set in England what perplexes me about the live action is that there are raccoons and skunks <laughs> Raccoons and skunks are hanging out at the barn. Yeah. And whenever someone sees a raccoon or a skunk, they're not surprised. <laughs> Those animals don't exist here. No. I, was, I support them. I support their endeavours. Let it be on record that I'm not anti-raccoon or anti-skunk. No way. I just thought it was weird. It's, it's extremely strange, because it's not like they're in the animated movie either. Remember when we watched Fox Robin Hood, there was a lot of animals that just, like, weren't native to the UK Yeah. Uh, in it, but it's animated, so... And it was a sequel to Zootopia. Yeah, exactly. So, so you just kind of go with the vibe. But this live-action movie, like, why did you make three puppet raccoons for a movie set in Suffolk? <laughs> <laughs> If I saw a raccoon in Suffolk, I would be absolutely thrilled. But you know what you could have had instead of raccoons is foxes, because they fill the same niche. Yeah. Yeah, if you needed a sneaky little animal to... What did they do? They hotwired the car? Yeah. With their tiny little little raccoon thief hands? You could do that with a fox. Yeah, or more squirrels. Yeah. Yeah, it was bizarre. And most of the second act of the live-action movie was just the two henchmen getting nerked by <laughs> just a bizarre collection of animals. Yeah. And I I thought... So in the cartoon, the only animals in this, like, rescue operation are a horse, a dog, and a cat. Yeah. Animals that you would find on a farm, but not animals that are exploited in a deathy sort of way. Yeah. Like, just for transport and herding and rodent catching. Yeah. In the live-action version, the dog is uh, relaying the information to save these puppies, and all the animals are really alarmed to every single farm animal you can think of, plus raccoons and skunks. Yeah. Now, I don't think if you're giving a pig or... A sheep. A sheep. Like, a, yeah, a, a lamb, for yeah. example, or, or a pig. Information that something horrible has happened, some puppies have been captured to die. Do they know... Because their whole life is on the farm getting killed for their meat. Yeah. Are they going to be alarmed that some puppies are going to get killed? These are not questions I think that Disney wanted us to be asking. <laughs> but we were asking them. Because we're here to ask the difficult questions on this podcast, and it's why should the pigs care? And it's like, I can imagine the donkey going away from that meeting being like, yeah, sure, this sounds like a cause I can help out with. But I think the pigs would be like, nah, I'm not interested. Yeah. You're not here for us. Yeah. <laughs> why should we be there for the Dalmatians? <laughs> <laughs> What else is different in the live action? Not much, but everything that is different is deeply frustrating. Well, it's set in the present day. Yeah. Well, the 90s. In the 90s. Um, I find Anita's plot in the live action very weird. Yes. They give her a bit of a plot, but not much, and it's bad. She oh, has yes. no plot whatsoever in the animated version. So what they've decided for the, the live action one is... Anita works for Cruella, and she's designed this outfit um, based on the look of her dog. So it's like a black and white spotted cape. I don't know. Um, And Cruella sees it and likes it and is like, this is great. You're very talented. Um, Why are you not more known? Yeah, why? I've never heard it. Like, I know you work for me, but like, I don't, your name's not out there. And Anita's like, I have no interest in being famous, which is extremely annoying. (laughs) Um, 
and I don't want my name to be known. Oh. And it seems like in that meeting, Cruella's trying to give her a leg up. Yeah, Cruella in the fashion industry is definitely like, like you get the sense that she she seems like a bit of a a difficult person to work with. But in the meeting with Anita at the beginning, she's very. She's very encouraging. Yeah. She hasn't done anything weird at this point. Yeah. She's not, like, okay, it's in the the subplot of the, the live action movie. We know that Cruella is, like, sourcing endangered animals to make clothes out of, but Anita does not know that. No. There's no, there's no suggestion that that sort of thing is happening. Um, but Anita is very weird with Cruella in this meeting. Um, and then Cruella's like, well... Like, let me let me help you out. I don't want my competition to hear about your talent and like poach you. Yeah. So she's saying, like, I want I want you to move up in the industry. These are good things to hear from your boss. Yeah, all good things. Um, and then Anita's like, Oh no, the only reason I'd leave this company would be if I met someone. And <laughs> Cruella and both of us were like, What? <laughs> yeah. I know. And given the given the Cruella is a villain whose only deal is killing animals for fur coats. (laughs) I don't like how in that moment we were fully with her. Why does it keep happening? I thought, well, (laughs) this episode was surely not going to sympathise with the villain. But in in this one endeavour of hers, where she was being a very good boss, Yeah. Anita absolutely baffles... Anita is very talented and you can tell that she likes her job because in her house she's like drawing she's got sketches but she's got the shape to drape clothes on like a mannequin to drape clothes off of she's got like a studio yes she she ends up well actually her and roger like meet and basically immediately get married in both versions in both versions and i'm going to preface this by saying no judgment for people who leave their careers Mm-hmm. to have children. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's framed in this movie... So they have this nanny character made mm-hmm. in both movies. And in the live-action one, the puppy, the lady dog, Perdita, mm-hmm. is pregnant. And the nanny's like, Oh, all mothers, you can tell when they're... You can tell when they're pregnant. They have a certain softness about them, a certain glow and the speech eyes. goes on for five full minutes listing all the things and it's and she's saying stuff like and it's truly beautiful because it feels like when a woman has achieved her purpose and you're like get in the bin <laughs> like not no offense i'm not saying it's bad to have kids but like to just yeah the way it was framed five minute like, monologue oh. about like this is the uh, this is the peak of womanhood yeah like okay oh my god <laughs> Yeah, so Anita in the in the live action one is pregnant, which the nanny can tell just from her vibe. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think in the in the initial meeting with Cruella before this is before Anita meets Roger even, Cruella says like, what does she say? Like more women have been lost to marriage that. It, more women's careers have been lost to marriage than anything else. Like, don't yeah. don't give up your career to get married. And it's very bizarre to watch a movie in the 90s ha- have the villain say, don't give up your career to get married yeah. in a way that frames her as, like, absolutely monstrous. For a movie <laughs> where there are, uh, dogs aside, two female characters. Yeah. Nanny aside, because she's barely a character. Yeah. And it's Anita... Who, which, and she's completely with the rights to do this, gives up her career to get married and have mm-hmm. babies. Mm-hmm. And Cruella, and the main conflict between the two of them from the get is career or family. Yeah. And have one of them be the cold, unwomanly villain. Yeah. And one of them being like the peak of womanly virtue. Yeah. I think is slightly off. I think it's setting up some contrasts that don't need to be set up. That didn't exist in the first film. No. Anita's not even pregnant in the cartoon. No, she's not. And Cruella, we don't know what Cruella's job is in the animated film. Yeah. We have no idea. 
I think it's especially strange because, like, Roger's plot in the live-action one, he's not a composer. For some reason, he's a video game designer because music doesn't exist in the 90s, but video games do. Yeah. Roger's whole thing is that he's really struggling to get his career to take off. He's trying to freelance, which freelance video game design, I'm not really sure how much of a thing that is, but I don't know the industry. Yeah. Um, He just can't sell this game that he's made. But, like, Anita's doing really well in her career. She's sort of upwardly moving. She seems to like it. She's got a studio at home. She's got, like, she's inspired by the things around her. She's got all these sketchbooks. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, maybe Cruella is a shitty boss. We don't see her be a shitty boss to Anita specifically, but we see her generally be a bit of a nightmare to work with. Yeah. Okay. I can see why she would maybe not want to work for this specific company anymore. But for her to be like, oh, I'm just gonna, like quit my job without having any thoughts about it ever again at all and never do anything vaguely fashion design related ever after that point and then roger has career success at the end yeah it felt really strange it does because roger's career doesn't propel any of the plot yeah um anita's definitely is the only thing propelling the plot Mm -hmm. because cruella goes and steals her designs for this dalmatian cape. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's never mentioned again. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird thing to bring up if you're gonna drop it. Especially since Cruella pretty dramatically fires Anita and she has no emotional response to it whatsoever. Yeah. Not even a like, how are we gonna pay rent given that Roger is unemployed. Anita is the breadwinner in this this couple. Yeah. I mean, it all works out okay in the end because at the end, Roger is inspired by the exploits of the dogs and makes a dog and Cruella themed video game. Yeah. um, That sells well. And they but, get a big house in the country for all 10,000 of their dogs. But the framing seems really off. Like, it wouldn't, it, it would have been more satisfying that, like, sure, the two, the couple can have kids and start yeah. a family, do that too. But, like, if Anita opened her own ethical yeah. fashion house, specifically because, like, there's a sort of weird subplot where no animal is safe. <laughs> the opening scenes of this movie involve um, Rogers looking through the uh, newspaper and there's, like, a news report of um, a Siberian tiger has been stolen from the zoo and it turns out it's been skinned for Cruella's uh, cape. Yeah. And um, Roger shakes his head, looks at Pongo and says, is no animal safe? <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it would have felt a lot more complete if Anita had started some sort of, like, faux fur or, like, animal print but not actually made of animal skin fashion yeah. design company or something. You know, that would have felt, like, more tidy. Yeah. It's a very odd sort of through line of, like, it's unwomanly to be very into your career. It will make you a puppy-killing monster. Yes. I don't know why the movie thought they needed that take, but they did add it. It's not in the animated one, (laughs) which I remind you came out in 1961, and the live-action one came out in 1996. (laughs) So do with that what you will. (laughs) Um, this is another one of those movies of this era where the man in the relationship gets to be a goofball throughout and the woman is the most boring person you've ever seen like I've never met someone who's as boring as Anita and I've met a bunch of people in my life yeah she doesn't respond emotionally to anything she doesn't have opinions she doesn't care about anything in specific yeah she has no interests yeah she gives up her job without thinking about it even slightly. Yeah. She has no feelings about that. She doesn't have hobbies. She doesn't, like, goof around with her dog the way that Roger does. Yeah, and when they do goof around, when Roger and his dog goof around, she's always like, oh, slight shake of head. Roger, Roger, Roger. And not even her dog, Perdita, does anything interesting. Perdita, the female Dalmatian, does more things <laughs> in the cartoon. She attacks the henchman, yeah. Congo, and, yeah. like, thinks of things and expresses opinions. It does not happen in the live action. No. It's like they went out of their way to make the female characters that weren't Cruella just, like, extremely boring. Yeah. 
not to say that I liked Roger. I hated Roger terribly in, which in the version? live action in version. In the live action version, yeah. And that's he's a bit of a dick in the cartoon version too. Yeah. <laughs> but is, and I'm going to say something really cursed. And I know I've said something to this effect in the podcast before and you've not agreed with what I've said. But I find cartoon Roger kind of hot. <laughs> you know? I don't know, but I, I support just, you. I think, I don't, I'm not mad into his pipe smoking, which is very frequent. Yeah. But I like his style. He's a bit gangly. He's got good fashion sense. He's got nice floppy hair. He's it, got a nice big nose. I like a big nose. If I had to pick between cartoon Roger and live action Roger, I would definitely pick cartoon oh, Roger. Because yeah. live action Roger sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he's terrible from the like both the cartoon and the live action have like an Anita and Roger meet cute in the park where um they fall into the water because their dogs like wrap their leashes around them in the live action one it's an extremely early 2000s protracted bicycle chase yes it's ridiculous yeah but in the the cartoon one Roger is very, like, nice and charming. In the live-action one, Roger is rude and belligerent, and Anita responds exactly the same way in both versions. Yeah. As though they're having a meet-cute when in one of them, Roger is being a dick. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, he is. I'd run away. Yeah. And then at the after he leaves at the end, she's like, "What a nice man!" Like, no. <laughs> at what point are you okay? <laughs> Anita is like, if aliens from space designed a robot <laughs> to act like a human Earth woman, <laughs> right? But they'd only been fed sitcoms from like the fifties and sixties. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's exactly what she's like. Oh, man. (laughs) I do think it's funny that at the end of the movie, um, at the end of both of them, no one reacts really at all to having 101 dogs. (laughs) I think 101 of anything would be quite, quite enough. What about spiders? If this flat had 101 spiders in it, I would move out. Shannon, you know how spiders operate. They live in the walls. They live in the crevices. They live in the pipes and they live in the cracks. (laughs) I felt like I was going a bit Dr. Seuss there. <laughs> and, um... The, yeah, the I, lesser I'm, known Dr. Seuss book, Spiders in the Walls. <laughs> spiders in the Cracks. <laughs> and, um, I think, I genuinely am not trying to freak you out, because, you know, times are stressful enough as they are, but I think there might be at least 101 spiders <laughs> in this household. We might not see them, but they're there. They're th- what would you, if you had to pick 101 of something to be in this flat, what would you pick? <sighs> parrots. Because I'd like to... <laughs> parrots. Because I think I'd like to start a chain of, like, they can teach each other to speak. Like a game of telephone? <laughs> yeah. Here's what I do. I would set... During the day, I'd work, be working in my room, in my mm-hmm. home office, mm-hmm. and then I would uh, set some sort of app to read out all the words in the dictionary and have the parrots teach themselves all the words. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, I would turn on the television mm-hmm. so they could piece together what all the words meant. Mm-hmm. And I think in not much time at all, I could get 101 parrots to do my bidding <laughs> in the city of Edinburgh. And I know that there'd be poo everywhere. Listen, I know there'd be poo everywhere. But you asked if I could have 101 things. Yeah. And I've gone for an animal. Yeah. There's going to be poo-poo. And once I've trained them, I can can teach them to go poo-poo outside. That's true. I can take them to my enemy's house and they can... Like falconing, but with parrots. Yeah. And I can just open the window and be like, okay, off you go to poo-poo. And then they'll just poo somewhere I want them to go. Yeah. Come back in, clean. Mm-hmm. What about you? Vampire bats. Vampire bats, okay. They're very cute. They do drink blood, so we're going to have to lock our doors. Um, and <laughs> I you wanted to have them in here in this living room. Yeah. Because, okay, listeners, people who've not been to our flat, this is going to be very difficult to achieve anything, especially for me. Yeah. 
We've got downstairs is only a corridor with steps upstairs. Yeah. You enter the st- up the steps. There's Shannon's room to the right. The main space is the living room. You have to pass through the living room to get to both the kitchen and to my room. Yeah. So, so how am I meant to deal <laughs> if you've got the bats in here? <laughs> you just, you gotta put your arm up over your head and just run past 101 vampire bats. I don't trust your 101 parrots. Why? They're only gonna learn English. <laughs> They're only gonna learn to swear. <laughs> They're gonna be noisy. We're gonna get a bunch of noise complaints from the city council. But do you not miss socializing with people? I don't know if I wanna socialize with 101 parrots. Fine, I want 101 people in here. <laughs> I want 101 humans. That's not very good social distancing. I think that's irresponsible. No, because we'd all be in the same bubble. This would be their address in living. <laughs> Everyone would have their little home office space. We'd have to really be... Hang on a second. Can we fit 101 people in here? I don't think we can. They get the fire brigade called on us. Just stand. Just standing. Hang on a second. think we can comfortably fit six people standing in a strip down here so that's i'd say one two three four five six in the living room alone six times six 36 36 people in the living room the biggest room my room's quite big so let's say we can get 24 in there and that's 60 people i think we can get 15 people in the kitchen that's 75 people how many people do you reckon we can get into your room? Maybe 20? 20 people, that's 95 people. You can see how it can work. Uh, if some people stand on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to go back to the parrots? I would like to go to um, 101 flying squirrels. Ooh. We'd need to maybe buy some shelves from Ikea so they've got some purchase. Yeah. Else what all they've got is this uh, little hanging skeleton decoration yeah. we have in the corner. Imagine one of them just hanging off of the leg of that. <laughs> really cute. Uh, or just like walking through this and have it being dive-bombed by flying squirrels. Dear listeners, we have the skeleton up because we haven't taken it down from Halloween. We still have our Christmas decorations up. No, not from Christmas 2020. <laughs> Christmas 2019. <laughs> There's things that the squirrels could do in here. Yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Okay. All these things are better than dogs. Because we don't need to take any of these animals for a walk. Yeah. Getting 101 leads for 101 flying squirrels, fitting tiny little harnesses on them. Also, we need to think about food, too. Because I think with... Squirrels, bats, and parrots. We could fit all of their grains and worms and whatever fruits they eat somewhere secure mm-hmm. and in enough quantity. Mm-hmm. If we had 101 humans living here, that we're not going to have enough room. No. If we had 101 bats, we would not have 101 spiders. No. That's true. But we might see more spiders. Might be more little, like, legs on the floor. Desiccated spider corpses littering the floor. And then that might make us think about how many spiders there are. Yeah. And I'm not too sure that's a good idea. Yeah. Hmm. 101 sloths. Oh, God. Not the little ones, the big ones. Oh, man. 101 giant sloths. No, no one can be doing with that. No one can be doing with that. (laughs) I don't know why that bothers me so much. (laughs) No. 101 sloths. God, I get so annoyed so quickly. This is a bit like... It reminds me of the conversation we had last year about if you had to spend a night in a zoo enclosure. Yeah. Which... And I remember asking people about this, and too many people said deadly things. <laughs> too many people were like, mm, tigers? No, you wouldn't want to spend a night in the tiger enclosure. Where would you, what did you, what did you say? 
I think I said red pandas. Yeah, that'd be alright. Yeah. Yeah. Can't remember what I said. Something like lemurs or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... 101 lemurs. Oh, a little ring-tailed lemurs. Like in Madagascar. <laughs> and one of them will be a king. <laughs> <laughs> I can teach them to speak English. <laughs> don't know if this is strictly a Canadian thing. I'm not sure where the show is from, but there is a TV show I watched as a child called Zaboomafu that had what? a lemur in it. That did not This might break be just a UK. Canadian thing. <laughs> All my Canadian listeners, if you remember Zaboomafu, share this episode. Um, and the, it was like two guys who would tell you about a different animal every week, but their their companion was a lemur, who was sometimes a real ring-tailed lemur and sometimes a muppet. Cool. Um, I don't think an actual, like, Jim Henson muppet, but a muppet ass. It was Kermit lemur. with a feather duster stuck to his back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kermit the Frog and Zabumafu the lemur. <laughs> um... I could I could do with a hundred and one ring tailed lemurs. I could do with a hundred and one Kermit the Frogs. <laughs> That'd be adorable. All of them dressed as Bob Cratchit from Muppet's yes. Christmas Carol. A hundred and one baby Yodas? Yeah, we have one baby Yoda. We do have one baby Yoda. Um that I got as a, a Christmas gift from my partner. I was about to say let's bring him over and have him say something. <laughs> but he can't and no one can see I keep on forgetting that no one can see what we're doing. Yeah, and he is a baby, so he can't speak. And that's the only reason. <laughs> Wait, no, he's speaking. Hang on. It's me, baby. Yoda. I've been listening to you the whole time, Shannon. Why does he have a cockney accent? Step in time, step in time. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke has broken into our flat. It's baby Yoda. <laughs> Here's a force on you, Shannon. <laughs> Lightsabers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to let you run out of Star Wars things that Jump you know. The heart. <laughs> May the force be with you. Droids. Uh. Tatooine. <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> Do a good Chewbacca impression? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> not saying I think you would, but like, you're not gonna give it a try? No, absolutely not. <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> Shannon, did you think 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> the animated version, is cursed, blessed, or blessed? Um. I'm gonna give it a low blurst. Mm-hmm. It was it was boring, but the animation was nice. There was nothing, like, overtly uncanny or weird about it, so the drawings were pretty to look at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a low blurs. I'm gonna give it a low blurs, too, for a similar reason. It's, like, it's on thin ice, because it's boring, but it's not as boring as, say, Snow White. Yeah. Um, there are cute elements. I quite like the art style. It's mm-hmm. very stylized. Um, and... It's a nice premise. And you know what? It's not as problem problematic as it could have been. Because yeah. I was expecting to see lots of hidden problematic stuff. Yeah. And there wasn't that much. Yeah. If any. So, yeah. Low blurst. Low blurst. What about the live action? I'm going to give it a curse. I'm going to give it a low cursed. Yeah. This was maybe one of the most boring movies we've seen. It was boring, and the bits that weren't boring were upsetting, or unsettling. Why do Disney live actions... The stuff they change changes it for the worst. Yeah. Most of the time. Why? I think it's, like, the need to fill in quote-unquote plot holes. Like, how does Anita know Cruella? It's a very real question from the animated yeah. version. But, okay, Cruella is Anita's boss. Not a bad answer, but then the extrapolation from that, bad. Yes. 
There's not a lot of thought put into the changes other than to, like, patch weirdness in the original one. It just feels a bit slipshod, you know? Like, they're not really doing a whole lot with it. I don't know what the benefit is of bringing it into the present day, too. Like, nothing changes apart from, uh, Roger's now working in video game, the video game industry. He's not a musician. As if musicians... A, don't a exist art. yeah <laughs> um and uh there's no benefit because the chase scenes with the henchmen are, the, the henchmen are pulled straight from the 60s yeah you know <laughs> they're not wearing different clothes they talk exclusively in cockney rhyming slang mm-hmm. uh, also in the cartoon <laughs> version one of the henchmen says I've got the right knob for the job <laughs> and that is gonna live rent free in my brain <laughs> from today until the end of days. <laughs> uh, henchmen are played in the live action one by Hugh Laurie and oh, what's his name? Arthur Weasley. Arthur Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> um, this podcast does not endorse J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think the live action added anything. I think it actively detracted from some things and yes. I think it was incredibly weird to use live dogs for this movie. Yeah. When the dogs have most of the speaking parts in the original movie. The hero of the cartoon is a cat, and I think it's subversive and amazing. That doesn't happen in the animated version. Oh, and here's a theory I have. A little fun one for people listening in who've listened to our other podcast episodes. I like to think that the cartoon 101 Dalmatians is taking place at the same place and time as Cats 2019. (laughs) The Jellicle moon is shining bright. Jellicles come to the Jellicle ball. And Mr. T- uh, Sergeant Tibbs is skipping the Jellicle ball to help these puppies. Yeah. So it makes sense. I think it makes sense on multiple fronts. One, the setting is London. Yeah. And um, they show, like, at nighttime, all the all the lights shining bright in London, are, like, uh, advertising dog treats and stuff, yeah. which is what's happening with cat stuff in the movie Cats. Yeah. Um, I think it's around about the same time, mm-hmm. like 50s. The dogs have their own society and their own events, like the Twilight Bark. Mm. Reminds you of the Jellicle Ball. Mm. The dogs have weird things that they think, like they call humans their pets. Yeah. The cats have multiple names. Mm. The name their owners have given them, their cat name, and their Jellicle name, which we will never know. <laughs> And I just think it just works. It's taking place in the same cinematic universe as Cats 2019. I can't say the same with the live action version. No. And that detracts <laughs> from my enjoyment of the franchise. Of course. Yeah, the live action one is a low cursed for me as well. Yeah, and it's got to be bad to be a low cursed. It yeah. wasn't even an enjoyable low cursed. No. Like the cat in the hat. I did not like the cat in the hat. I got no enjoyment out of that. That's that's entirely valid. I got only stress out of that movie. <laughs> but I did get enjoyment out of Cats 2019, also a low cursed for me. <laughs> <laughs> High blessed virgin and blessed for me. Like, I couldn't give it a blessed, because I'd be laughed out of town. But... <laughs> uh, it's nice to be back onto Stuff That Is Our Remit, a.k.a children's nostalgic content. Yeah. Known for either being good, bad, or, like, I'm not too sure we need to revisit. Yeah. And I'm glad that we've gone off Netflix originals for the time being. Mm Mm-hmm. But we will be on Netflix over the course of the next week for next week's episode. What are we doing, Shannon? Next week we are doing, uh, a a bit of a new one for us. We're doing another double dip. Uh, but one that's originally a TV series made into a movie. Uh, we're going to be doing Avatar The Last Airbender. Hey! <laughs> the cartoon and the M. Night Shyamalan movie, which you've not seen. I've not seen it. And we're going to have a great time. Oh, we're going to get so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, tune in, folks. We'll be online. All the time these days. We don't have anything else to do. Catch us on Instagram. We might make more memes. I might some might, might make. I might make some Dalmatian memes. <laughs> Send us your best Dalmatian memes. Send us your best memes inspired by any of our episodes. If you can do a good dog bark impression, 
let me know. I'm going to set some homework. If you want, do an impression of one, Shih Tzu, two, Golden Retriever, three, Mr. Mistopheles, the original conjuring cat, <laughs> four, a hyena, and five, a Great Dane. Good night, sweet listeners.